Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Quantum Spirituality on DreamVision7RadioNetwork.com, the show where past spiritual wisdom and present-day science merge to show us our future. Your host is Peter Canova, author of the 25-time award-winning book series, The First Souls Trilogy, available on Amazon and Peter's website, PeterCanova.com. That's P-E-T-E-R-C-A-N-O-V-A.com. This show is a live video, so if you're only listening and want to watch, go to Peter's website, PeterCanova.com. P-E-T-E-R-C-A-N-O-V-A dot com, where you can access his Facebook page to leave comments or questions. And click the D7RN link where you can receive a free gift video. Hello, friends, followers, and listeners. I'm your host from Quantum Spirituality, Peter Canova. This is the show where the past and the present merge to unlock the mysteries of our future. I just want to remind our new listeners that you may want to go back and listen to the first three shows because this show builds one episode on the other. It's kind of instructional in a way. And in the first three episodes in particular, we provide a framework to understand some of the issues that we speak of on quantum physics and on spirituality in the later episodes. So we have a great show lined up for you today. And without any further delay, please listen to it and enjoy. And join us every Tuesday, first Tuesday of every month for Quantum Spirituality. Hello, everybody. I'm Peter Canova, the author of Pope Annalisa and the First Souls Trilogy and of the forthcoming book, Quantum Spirituality. Welcome back to another show on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. So today uh, I want to talk about an interesting topic that we have touched on uh, in previous programs, and that's the idea that we might just be living in a virtual reality. So we're going to look at some um, new information on this subject, and I think um, I want to tie it up at the end uh, to to tell you what all this can mean for you, because again, we like to work in the concrete here, not the abstract, even though we may have to deal with abstract ideas to get to uh, or to start off to where we want to be at the end of the question. But um, I'm going to be talking about how you can actually take some of this information and uh, use it for your own journey, for your own life, to make things maybe just a little bit better. So in previous podcasts and in my book, Quantum Spirituality, I've discussed the belief that we are living in a simulation of virtual reality and a holographic universe. Now, as I often do in the show, I reopen prior topics as new information comes out. And something very interesting has been published on this topic fairly recently. But let me summarize the history of the simulation uh, hypothesis and the holographic universe for you. So you're all a little bit more in the picture. In 1982, an experiment by noted French physicist Alain Aspect showed that subatomic particles can be in communication with one another regardless of the distance between them. Now, physicist David Bohm from London interpreted this to mean that the particles did not communicate 
by any, any ordinary means of connection or transmission, but that they were part of an entirety or a, a holographic matrix. And this means that the world of separate appearances that we have is an illusion because at a deeper level, everything is part of an interconnected whole. So another way of saying this is that objective reality doesn't exist. At some deeper level of reality, these particles are not individual entities, but they're actually extensions of the same fundamental something. So the reason why Bohm used the term holographic universe is because of one characteristic of a hologram. And that is that each of its parts contains the image of the whole. So that no matter how you could cut it up, subdivide it or separate it, each of the individual pieces would still retain the image of its entirety. And this would mean that all appearances in the universe are merely illusory projections of one deeper reality. Now, in 1991, Carl Prebrom, uh, a psychiatrist and a neurosurgeon, extended his concepts of research on brain function with the statement that the brain functions as an essential hologram, storing vast quantities of information. And Bowman Prebrom ultimately cooperated in furthering the notion of the universe and our very brains as holographic entities. The work that was built on the early theories of Bohm and Prebram has come to be called the holographic paradigm or the holographic universe theory. So in 2003, Jacob Beckenstein furthered an idea begun by John Archibald Wheeler, a noted physicist of an earlier generation. This is the belief that the universe is comprised of information and that matter and energy are incidental. Or some people believe that information is a fifth state behind matter, energy and other forces in the universe. So there is a growing trend in physics towards this belief of the universe being comprised of information, building on work from Stephen Hawking and others. Beckenstein found that the information comprising a black hole does not exist within the black hole. The information that makes up the volume or the inside of the black hole is a projection from its surface horizon or its outer surface. To use a more understandable example <laughs> illustrating the uh, significance of this discovery, uh, picture a bucket. Now, we normally think that the information or contents inside the bucket resides within the volume area of the bucket. But Birkenstein's discovery indicates that the information that makes up the bucket relies on the outer skin of the bucket and it's projected inward to the volume. So we have a flat two-dimensional surface area 
of bucket projecting inward from the or to the three-dimensional hologram area inside the bucket now if the bucket let's say is our universe and inside the bucket is all the information contained in the universe the galaxies the stars our own earth particles ourselves then we are actually three-dimensional projections of something outside of what we perceive as reality now that's a quick history of the progression of the holographic universe theory or the idea that we live in a virtual reality or simulation now some interesting new ideas have come along to support this rather shocking theory but a theory that was anticipated in the ancient gnostic gospels thousands of years ago insofar as the way the world operates and the nature of a human being having said all this let's look at a very intriguing article that recently came out in scientific american by a dr fuad khan an environmental scientist and researcher working on energy transition now similar to my work in quantum spirituality dr khan uses the simile or the resemblance of computer operations to back his thesis he starts by looking at the fact that we already have computers running all kinds of simulations for lower level intelligences or algorithms we can imagine these intelligences as any characters in any video game so khan begins with the premise that all computing hardware leaves an artifact of its existence within the world of the simulation that it's running the artificial world of the simulation and khan identifies that artifact as the computer's processing speed if we are running a software program within a computer for instance the only artifact or presence of the computer hardware the footprint within the simulation of what you're seeing is the processor speed so khan reasons that all the laws operating the simulation lie within the software program except for one that one element is the processor speed because the laws governing the operation of the game are constrained or limited by the computer's speed of computation this is the only way the computer hardware leaves its influence or imprint on the simulated program so dr khan then provides an example to illustrate his point say we are living right now in a simulated reality for us the number seven million is very large and one is comparatively small as a number for the processor running us however the difference in scale between these two numbers is irrelevant so even a 64-bit processor would perform a subtraction between 7,862,345 and 6,347,111 in the same amount of time as it would take us to perform a subtraction between two and one so simulations are abstract worlds of programmed mathematics or algorithms 
processed in terms of various combinations and speeds of operations per second. It's these time variable computations that give the sim characters and the environment they're in the variety and seemingly physical appearance that the simulation takes on. The time factor to perform these operations will be observed, felt, and expressed within the simulation as an artifact or an effect or a footprint, if you will, of the operation of the underlying computer machinery, apart from the algorithms that govern the software, the instructions that govern the software. The abstract world of software simulations clearly operates within limitations controlled by the power or capabilities of the computer's processing speed. As observers within the simulation, we would have no frame of conscious awareness, a way to quantify the processor speed, except when the program hits the processor's upper limit. Things then perceptively slow down. Khan then presents a thesis on how to identify the artifact as a force within our universe. What is the analogous force within our universe to the computer simulation and the processor that we've been talking about? If we live in a simulation, then our world should also have an artifact or a footprint, detectable footprint, like the one a computer leaves in virtual reality games. We can articulate some of these properties that would help us identify such an artifact in our universe that could indicate that we're living in a simulation. For one thing, the artifact is an additional component to every operation in the simulation. It underlies every op operation in the simulation. It's unaffected by the magnitude of variables being operated on and is not observable within the simulated reality unless a maximum variable size is observed. So it doesn't matter uh, the amount of operations and variables that are going on in the simulation and it, uh, it is also undetectable uh, because as you will see, it is a property that really defines how we perceive the physical world. We'll come to that in a minute. But the artifact has to represent itself as some kind of upper limit. Artifact cannot be explained by the underlying me mechanistic laws of the simulated universe. It has to be accepted as an assumption or a given within the operating laws of the simulated universe something that is separate from the laws of the simulation. The effect of the artifact uh, or the anomaly in the simulation is absolute. There are no exceptions. So I want to pause here for a second to say that the points that Dr. Khan just listed are both the Gnostic and mystical descriptions of the footprints of the Supreme Consciousness or God. Now, I sympathize with Dr. Khan, though his hypothesis almost begs the conclusion he's writing in a scientific journal and you don't speak God in the halls of science 
and academia. Other possibilities exist as to what lies beyond the limitation of the program, and we'll discuss those shortly. Uh, but I also don't want to assign meanings to Dr. Khan's article he didn't intend. Intentionally or not, however, the comparison between these descriptions and uh, the, uh, the Gnostic views are, are quite valid. But looking at the parameters we just listed, uh, Dr. Khan intriguingly defines this artifact or upper processing limit in our potential universal simulation as the speed of light. He says space is to our universe what numbers are to the simulated reality in any computer. And matter moving through space can simply be seen as operations happening on the variable space. So if matter is moving at say a thousand miles per second, then a thousand miles worth of space is being transformed by a function or operated upon every second. Now, Khan further states that if there were some hardware running the simulation called space, of which matter, energy, you, me, and everything we are, are a part of, then one telltale sign of the artifact or the controller within the simu simulated reality space should be identifiable. The, the telltale sign would be the maximum, li maximum limit on the container size of the space, the boundaries of the space in which the simulated operation can be performed. And such a limit does appear in our universe as the speed of light. Khan is correctly stating this fact because light is the means by which we perceive the physical universe. So the boundary of our perceived universe or program is stopped at the speed of light what we can observe, what physicists can observe of the universe itself cannot be greater than the speed of light. What lies beyond the speed of light, they cannot detect. So Dr. Khan concludes that the speed of light meets all the criteria of a hardware artifact identified in the observation of our own computer operations. It remains the same irrespective of observer speed. It is observed as a maximum limit it is unexplainable by the physics of the universe, and it is absolute. It meets all the points that we outlined above. So the speed of light, essentially, is the hardware artifact showing we live in a simulated universe. This makes sense to me since I believe computers are actually reverse engineered from the functions of the archetypal patterns of how our own minds work. I just want to take a minute to remind everybody that my new book, Quantum Spirituality, uh, is uh, available for pre-publication sales on Amazon, and uh, you can find it in either Kindle or paperback versions. And I'm happy to say that soon it will be in an audio version also. So for those of you who follow the show or are interested in some of the topics that we speak about, this book is going to be a must. Um, it just covers a full spectrum of the possibilities of creation, how the world operates, how you can accumulate knowledge and really um, increase your level of consciousness in a way that will be beneficial for how you live your life. And um, I think that uh, you'll see that the 
the, the variety of things that go into making up our world uh, are just mind-blowing. And the reason that uh, it's so unusual is because this book approaches things from both a scientific and a mystical standpoint, bringing the information of the two together, merging science and merging spirit to tell us about ourselves. So please be on the lookout for Quantum Spirituality. Uh, should be available for print version in October. Uh, but for pre-orders, you can go to the um, site, the link here that you see in the blue box, which is the link that will take you to the Amazon page where you can find the book. Hope you enjoy it. Okay, it's that time for a short commercial break. This is Quantum Spirituality on Dream Vision 7 Radio. I'm your host, Peter Canova. And you can go to my website, petercanova.com. That's P-E-T-E-R-C-A-N-O-V-A.com, where you can get the link to watch the video version of this podcast and also get a lot of information that we can't always cover on any individual program. So we'll be back shortly with a lot of more interesting news. Don't go away. Keep that dial tuned. How did life start on Earth, and why is there so much suffering? Are we living in a simulated reality like the characters in the Matrix movie? Do parallel dimensions exist alongside ours, influencing our experience? What are the mysterious dark energies that penetrate our universe? Peter Canova folds space and time to bring the twin bookends of ancient wisdom and quantum science into a single focal point, answering these and many other deep mysteries of the creation. Quantum Spirituality can be heard every Tuesday at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. Eastern and 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Pacific on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network. See the show where past and present merge to show us our future. What if dreams can diagnose your life? What if we can meet the love of our life in dreams? Join host Cat O'Keefe Cannabis, the number one internationally best-selling author of Dreams That Can Save Your Life, written with Duke University medical doctor Larry Burke. Dreaming Healing is where we'll explore dreams, research, and interpret dreams from you, the caller. Dreaming Healing Shows can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern with live shows on the first and third evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Come live your dreams out loud with Cat. Omega Institute, offering workshops, retreats, and online learning dedicated to awakening the best in the human spirit. For over 40 years, Omega has seen more than a million people come through its doors to grow, learn, and find a greater sense of purpose. With over 350 workshops to choose from, Omega offers something for everyone. Located in Rhinebeck, New York, just 90 miles north of New York City, Omega's natural environment and quiet pace allow for extraordinary experiences to unfold. Learn more at eomega.org or call 877-944-2002. Again, 877-944-2002. In a world facing annihilation, a miraculous African nun rises to become the first female pope through a web of war, murder, and betrayal. 
Loved by some, hated by many, she becomes the deadly target of Islamic terrorists and her own cardinals as she introduces a new vision that will either save humanity or accelerate its destruction. Four people must race against a nuclear holocaust to learn her astonishing secret. Pope Annalisa is available at PeterCanova.com, Amazon, and other online booksellers and bookstores worldwide. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life Welcome back to Quantum Spirituality on DreamVision7Radio.com. I'm your host, Peter Canova, and you can find out more about me at PeterCanova.com. That's P-E-T-E-R-C-A-N-O-V-A.com. And please, if you enjoy the show and have any questions or comments for me, leave them on my Facebook page, Peter Canova Author, or also you can leave comments on my website. You know, in my soon-to-be-released book, Quantum Spirituality, I make the statement that we were able to develop computers because the blueprint or archetype of the computer already exists in a deeper reality. So computers are more of a remembrance or recognition of this reality than an invention out of the blue. The functions of the hard drive, the memory, the storage, and the software are all reflections on how our minds operate processing, storing, recalling, analyzing, and replaying information. So science generally recognizes three levels of the human mind, the conscious, the subconscious, and the unconscious. Additionally, many psychologists and philosophers and spiritual figures add another level called the higher self or super consciousness. We can use a computer simile to help explain the workings of these three forms of consciousness. So the conscious mind is your everyday walking, talking, waking mind. You're fully aware of the contents of this mind. It acts like the processing and keyboard input features of a computer. The computer keyboard inputs data into the processor and the results are displayed on the monitor screen of our consciousness. So our conscious mind works similarly. It absorbs information from external uh, or internal stimuli and the results are processed and judged on the screen of our conscious awareness. The conscious mind uses thought, verbalization or words, uh, pictures and writing to communicate. It's the directing, conceptualizing part of the mind. It's proactive compared to the more passive subconscious and unconscious minds. Now, the subconscious mind is like an automatic recording device. It stores data accumulated over a lifetime, even data not immediately recognized by the conscious minds. The stored data of the conscious subconscious is like the cache function stored in the random or ram or random access memory of a computer so ram memory is the place in the computer where programs data and frequently used um, information that is in need of quick retrieval uh, is stored in the subconscious so uh, these things can easily be retrieved uh, or reached just like in a computer processor 
it's much faster and more accessible to other types of memory, such as the SSD hard hard disk or, or the raw or the ROM memory. Um, so information stored in the subconscious is information that has been edited to be important and easily retrievable, uh, needed but not not uh, uh, readily retrievable, unlike information uh, in the unconscious. So the recent memory stored in the subconscious for quick recall uh, when needed, um, that is the situation where, say, you traveled to a city last year, okay, and um, or last uh, last couple months, and you're you're thinking of that. That's where your quick recall is. It's not on the top of your mind but it's easily retrieved by the direction of your thought. So the subconscious also holds the needed programs that you run every day, such as your current recurring thoughts, behavior patterns, habits, and feelings. The subconscious is though reactive compared to the proactive conscious mind. It responds to thoughts from the conscious mind and emotions from the unconscious. The subconscious is really our faithful servant that carries out the intent of his bosses, uh, the conscious mind, and even the unconscious mind. It performs best when the thought and the emotions are in harmony. Now, if thought and emotions conflict, deeper emotions will win out every time. That's why when things go wrong, you hear people say the result was not what they wanted, what they intended, or that for which they had prayed conscious desires lose out to strong emotions. Now, the unconscious mind is like the solid state drive of your computer. It is a um, part that comes preloaded with certain programs that could come from the collective unconscious or perhaps from past lifetimes. It acquires other parts of consciousness during one's current lifetime or information, but it's the long-term storage place for all the personal and collective memories and programs that have been installed in us since birth. The unconscious is the murkiest and most difficult to understand of all three mind levels. In part, this is because the contents of the unconscious express themselves automatically and they are not subject to introspection or conscious recall. Even though the contents of the unconscious mind remain below the level of consciousness, remain below the level of conscious recall and awareness, the emotions, memories, and ideas grounded in the unconscious exert a tremendous influence on our lives and behavior. This uh, memory of the unconscious mind would be analogous to the hard drive's ROM. It contains a lot more information that is more slowly retrievable uh, as opposed to the subconscious mind where we said it was more like RAM memory where it was um, limited down to uh, a certain amount of needed facts and therefore uh, much more um, susceptible to speedy retrieval. But look, how does all this information about the function of our minds being similar to computer operations. 
relate to the concept of a virtual reality or holographic universe simulation. So anyone familiar with computers knows that the information on a computer is divided into partitions. These are segments of the computer that are walled off from one another, yet they are still part of the computer as a whole. Now, the analogy here is that our perceived or apparent reality is one partitioned area of the whole, and the information that is being projected is coming from that part representing the uh, unobserved totality, the unobserved partition, the partition that lies beneath. So the question we have to ask ourselves is why? What's the purpose of uh, any simulation at all? So Dr. Khan makes a very in incisive point. The algorithms that produce the characters and environment of any role-playing game or RPG produce a subjective integrated experience that benefits us, the, the ones controlling the simulation. Uh, we made it for a purpose, for entertainment, for knowledge, but it's for our benefit. Khan says that what is um, the heart of the matter and a key theme of this podcast um, is obviously now the nature of consciousness. Uh, he says that consciousness is an integrated, meaning combining the five senses, a subjective interface between the self and the rest of the universe. The only reasonable explanation for its existence is that there is to be an experience. There's nothing in science that explains the fact of the experience that we call consciousness. Dr. Khan reasons that there can only be two explanations for its existence. First, it has to be for some purpose we just can't fathom, one possibility. But the more concrete explanation is that conscious experience is a function we serve, a product we create, and an experience that we generate as human beings. We are experience generating machines. The question then becomes, so who do we create this product for? It, it, it doesn't seem to make sense that we exist just to have random experiences in and of themselves. It, it's more logical to assume that a purpose exists for the experiences and a purpose implies a higher force that controls this purpose that desires these experiences. This means that conscious experience would appear to be a shared quality where both ourselves as individuals and the programmer running the simulation share the experience. So if you really try and grasp what Khan is saying here, it's that us having experiences in and of themselves, just for ourselves in a loop, it doesn't really lead to anywhere. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a circular type of existence, a circular type of argument. What's really the purpose of it? But if you add into the equation 
that there is a force in the background somewhere that is desiring these experiences and getting the benefit of these experiences through us and in turn creating the conditions for which we can have experiences then we see a kind of loop process that starts to make sense so again uh, without stating it dr khan touches on the possibility of a supreme consciousness an integrated whole of which we are a part and yes like our computer comparison we are partitioned off from it even though we're part of it this is another way of stating a frequently quoted idea that runs through the body of my work pertaining to this loop process of experience and that is that we are the fingers of god touching the face of this world our purpose is to spiritualize the material and bring the experience of the material back to spirit essentially human experience is the bridge between the state of matter and the non-physical energetic dimension of spirit now let me give you an example of how this principle <clears throat> works at all levels um, by applying it to uh, a fictional character in my book Pope Annalisa and I'm gonna <clears throat> describe Pope Annalisa as an algorithm um, an algorithm is a set of rules defining the output or result of a given of a given operation essentially um, algorithm is the mathematical process by which information translates itself into such things as matter energy and the visible world so um let's let's see how an algorithm operates uh in just about every aspect uh, of existence even using the example of a written fictional character how is she uh how is she analogous let's say to uh, an algorithm so um if you look at the uh chart that we have here um, we're describing the character of Pope Annalisa and you see her down the bottom of the process there so um, the entry that we would make and incidentally any of these boxes that you see any of these geometric shapes that you see um, these are analogous to algorithms they, they, they can be expressed mathematically each of them can be expressed mathematically but that would be super confusing and create a chart that you would have to be an MIT genius to decipher so I've made simple boxes with narratives here um, so we start off with the algorithm that creates her as a human and a female and um, now it gets to a point where we start to talk about uh, choices and variables coming into play um, because uh, she performs uh, deeds or actions beyond accepted reality um, and we have the yes there now the reason we have that instruction is it could have been another way she might not have been able to do that um, so uh, she displays accepted behavioral patterns well here it's the instruction is a no if she did um, follow the sort of um, strictures of society uh, she would have been 
completely different personality. It would have been a completely different person down at the bottom of this chain. So um, is she reliant on the five senses uh, for knowledge? Uh, again, the instruction here is no. That's not how she derives the knowledge under which she operates. Um, she derives knowledge from extra uh, extrasensory source. Yes, uh, yes. There, there, she clearly is uh, getting the knowledge that uh, largely controls uh, what she does and what she's able to do uh, from a source that would not be commonly recognized as being definable or recognizable. Now, on the left, you see a. Um, uh, a separate entry here and that entry is the outer world or the environment in which Anna Lisa finds herself so in that world she is misunderstood by others and further defining how humanity views her um, the camp is split some adore her and some fear her now the line the, the reason why this is a separate entry is that Annalisa really in some ways is not of this world she's physically here but she's on a plane a consciousness plane um that is different from the rest of humanity so the kind of squiggly line uh between annalisa uh and the outer world indicates that the events of the outer world kind of flow through her they don't control her she more controls the events so the, the outer world flows through her she's part of it and yet sort of not part of it because if you look to the right, she derives her true consciousness from what we can term here as oversoul or divine consciousness, and it's kind of a loop. She she brings back her um, experience uh, in the material world to the um, uh, higher self, and the higher self in turn informs her of uh, ways um, you know the, that uh, uh, she should be conducting herself uh, in the material world. So. Um, you can sort of see that we can take any um, anything in life and break it down to uh, an algorithm like this that would lead to the ultimate um, object that the algorithm is describing, whether it's a, a person or whether it's a thing or whether it's the world at large. Um, it really does run uh, according to um, certain algorithms or, or set ways of doing things with, which could be considered also um, instructions or blueprints. So, um, you know, uh, this diagram that we just looked at is an algorithm for creating the character Pope Annalisa, a character many people have embraced as a life-changing experience, and then here we get back into the whole thing of experience. Pope Annalisa was created to be an emotional experience with which its audience could connect. It's time for another break. Don't go away. I'm your host, Peter Canova, and you're listening to Quantum Spirituality on DreamVision7Radio.com. We'll be right back. How did life start on Earth, and why is there so much suffering? Are we living in a simulated reality like the characters in the Matrix movie? 
Do parallel dimensions exist alongside ours, influencing our experience? What are the mysterious dark energies that penetrate our universe? Peter Canova folds space and time to bring the twin bookends of ancient wisdom and quantum science into a single focal point, answering these and many other deep mysteries of the creation. Quantum Spirituality can be heard every Tuesday at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. Eastern and 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Pacific on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network. See the show where past and present merge to show us our future. Darkest hours to brightest moments, transformation from despair to happiness and chaos to clarity real people real pain real healing life-threatening illness death abusive relationships divorce and overcoming addiction are challenges these men and women faced head-on see how they emerged stronger and happier buy the new book chaos to clarity sacred stories of transformational change by reverend patricia caginello and kathleen o'keefe cannabis Available on sacredstoriespublishing.com and worldwide through Amazon and other retailers. Why are we here? How can we be happy? Questions asked from millennials to boomers. Crappy to happy. Sacred stories of transformational joy answers them using true stories of grit, grace, and love. James Redfield, author of The Celestine Prophecy, wrote in the foreword, This book is a seminar about emerging truths and offers grounded solutions through the art of the comeback. Dr. Bernie Siegel, a contributing author, wrote, Bodies die, but spirits and consciousness survive and recycle. So, grab some tissues, open your book, and prepare to cry and laugh till it heals. Crappy to Happy by Reverend Ariel Patricia and Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis. Available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and booksellers worldwide. In a world facing annihilation, a miraculous African nun rises to become the first female pope through a web of war, murder, and betrayal. Loved by some, hated by many, she becomes the deadly target of Islamic terrorists and her own cardinals as she introduces a new vision that will either save humanity or accelerate its destruction. Four people must race against a nuclear holocaust to learn her astonishing secret. Pope Annalisa is available at PeterCanova.com, Amazon, and other online booksellers and bookstores worldwide. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Welcome back to the last segment of our Quantum Spirituality Show on syndicated DreamVision7Radio.com. And I'm your host, Peter Canova. You can listen to the show anytime online, on your phone, in cars with Bluetooth, and through Amazon's Echo by asking Alexa, play Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. If you have a question or comment, please leave it on my website, petercanova.com, where you can also link to my Facebook page to comment. I want to show you that anything in life can be expressed as algorithms and that um, the uh, purpose of having these 
simulations that the algorithms create, whether it's something that we create as a role-playing game or it's something else that's creating us as a perceived reality, there has to be a purpose to that activity. And that goes back to uh, what I've illustrated here, uh, goes back to what Khan has said, that the experience appears for the benefit of both the parts and the whole and the vehicle by which the whole, which is pure energy, can express the illusion of physical form. So um, what exactly lies at the end of a tunnel? What's the nature of the something that is absorbing human experience and emotion? In the past few years, several productions have hit the screen dealing with other dimensions of existence. Uh, I'm going to cite three of them, which seem to fit the three possible end goals of simulated reality. Um, the three I can think of are 1899, Manifest, and The Warrior Nun. And they're all available on current streaming platforms. So 1899 is rather dark. Uh, like the Matrix, the simulated reality ends up being conducted by machines. In the case of 1899, they appear to be under some kind of malicious human control. In the Matrix, it is ultimately artificial intelligence pulling the strings, though unclear if it's of alien or human origin. Either way, I find the notion of living as puppets for a machine to get its kicks uh, highly implausible. Uh, now, Manifest is by far the most uplifting of the three productions. It's about divine consciousness attempting a direct breakthrough to the, into the world of human ignorance. And this is exactly how the Gnostics pictured the mission of the Christ. He was kind of a divine agent that broke into humanity's prison to free them from ignorance and unwitting servitude to darker powers. Now, Warrior Nun is interesting. It kind of stands somewhere between the two. Um, the revealed dimension in Warrior Nun is neither wholly bleak and dark as in 1899, nor wholly good as in Manifest. It's a mixed bag of opposing forces. Um, both Manifest and Warrior Nun are compatible with the Gnostic view of dimensional existence. So um, let's clarify the apparent contradiction here. The Gnostics believed in the ultimate good and benevolence of the one consciousness or God. They believe that all consciousness, including human souls, directly derive from God's essence as diluted portions, let's say dumbed down portions of divine consciousness. The key word here is diluted or limited. The Gnostic creation story told that the spiritual mind projections of the one consciousness called the mind sons and mind daughters in Hindu tradition chose to pursue their own rather than their own will rather than remain in harmony with the will of the one. Um, this is a motif that appears in so many different um, religious and spiritual traditions. Um, it's even re reflected in modern times in the works of uh, Tolkien, the author of The Lord of the Rings. But the consequences of this um, led to the creation of lower dimensions of existence where um, unwholesome changes occurred. 
the uh, altered thought and um, energy patterns of the fallen spirits kept lowering in ever denser and more limited um, dimensions culminating in the physical world which was modeled and controlled by the dimensions above it um, this is um, really essentially the modern parallel universe theory string theory um, m theory so many other um, uh, theories that essentially say that uh, our world that we perceive uh, is largely affected by unseen forces from other dimensions so this is not just a mystical statement this is also um, a fairly widely accepted scientific belief unfortunately at this juncture we've run out of time but i will pick up on the next segment of the podcast talking about the nature of these uh, hidden dimensions that exert influence on us and what the gnostics had to say about it and uh, then we're going to get into what you can do to combine all this information uh, that you've learned about the simulated realities and your place in it and use it to benefit your life though we talked about the possibility of darker forces being exerted uh, in other dimensions i don't want anybody to leave bleak or disturbed by that because when we talk about it on the next show you'll realize that you are part of an infinity and you always have the power to connect with that infinity in a conscious way and consciousness is light consciousness dispels the dark so we'll leave it at that for now and i wanted to give you one last reminder that quantum spirituality the book uh, is available for pre-orders right now through amazon and if you follow the link uh, under the blue box here it will bring you to that site uh, this is a book that really you're you're going to want to um, take a look at it's a tour de force of creation to help pull together some kind of a picture of what this crazy world is all about so until then this is peter canova dream vision 7 radio quantum spirituality see you next time This ends today's segment of Quantum Spirituality, the show where the past and present merge to show us our future. Join us the first Tuesday of each month for cutting-edge information and informative new episodes. This show will be archived on the Quantum Spirituality Dream Vision 7 Radio Network website page, also accessible at petercanova.com. That's P-E-T-E-R-C-A-N-O-V-A dot com. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.